Welcome to Ranch Raves Questions and Quotes, a podcast where I get to bitch, complain, basically my take on over 50 years on this planet. As always, I am not a licensed clinician, doctor, therapist, lawyer, or Indian chief. I'm just a guy that has certain views, certain opinions, certain thoughts on how things are, how things ought to be, how things used to be, and my life experiences. So I invite you, as always, to sit back, relax, grab a snack, join us for a little fun. Maybe you'll think I'm crazy. Maybe you'll think I'm right on the money. Either way, I always, as always, I look forward to hearing from you. You can reach me at mrrants50 at gmail.com or via my blog at my rrqq.wordpress.com and uh, welcome to the show and sea salt popcorn right and just just watch now I'll say for the thousandth time just in case li- really dumb, dopey, stupid liberals don't get it. I vehemently, vigorously, and in the strongest possible terms, condemn any kind of political violence whatsoever. Whether it's driven by a leftist ideology or motivated by someone on the right, it's I condemn it, and so does every other sane person I know. That doesn't change anything about the January 6th videos that were exposed, showing categorically that some, some of the narratives the liberal media symbiote tried to pitch to the general public were fairy tales. That Josh Hawley was a coward running away by himself. Look at him out when it turns out that Josh Hawley was just one of many lawmakers being escorted out of the Capitol. By the way, showing that, lawmakers being escorted out it's kind of interesting how guys correct me if i'm wrong the libs are like they're trying to play down january 6th really they're showing you a procession of lawmakers being let out because they perceive the danger how is that playing anything down are you really that stupid this is how desperate these idiots are to continue a narrative where's captain obvious when you need him where is he i do i'm stumbling on did what i just say make sense i'm serious you too you're showing lawmakers being escorted out at the same time. Yes. You're selectively editing a video to make it look like it's one Republican senator, which it wasn't. Tucker goes on and shows, no, no, it was actually a lot of senators that perceived the danger. While you're claiming, like, Tucker Carlson's downplaying the danger. While showing an evacuation of senators, you are so freaking stupid. It is unbelievable that people still listen to you idiots. Sit back and just watch these goons. The video of Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman, whatever they call him, being escorted around. You claim this guy was the leader of some insurrection or hinted or implied it. You sent him to prison for four years. You don't think that video is relevant as a media person or a liberal? It doesn't change the violence that happened on that day. But it certainly changes the story about Chansley and Hawley, doesn't it? You're not interested in that? They they want it to go away. 
because they love censorship. The videos have the liberal media symbiote terrified because of one reason. They tell the story. All the warts included, not a story. And a story they wanted you to believe before the other day when Tucker released the videos. A story they wanted you to believe was that this was an armed, violent insurrection where the government was in danger of being overthrown, in danger of being overthrown by deplorable red hat wearing MAGA supporters. And it's clear, all that day had a lot, and there's a lot of answers to still be had on that day. That day was a day that will, for many people, live in infamy. It is nothing close to what they told you it was. That's why they're pissed off. Here's the tell. There's always a tell. What, Joe Biden saying, this is the truth. Not a joke. No, no, not that tell. Here's Chuck Schumer having an absolute meltdown. He's not screaming or yelling, but make no mistake. This is a meltdown. This is a government employee, the United States Senator. He may be powerful, but he still works for you. Who swore an oath to the Constitution. Openly blowing his nose in the Constitution. Crapping on the First Amendment. And calling for censorship of a media outlet, Fox and Tucker Carlson. Simply because they aired video, he doesn't even dispute as authentic. Listen for yourself. These lies continue tonight. Rupert Murdoch, who has admitted they were lies and said he regretted it, has a special obligation to stop Tucker Carlson from going on tonight now that he's seen how he has perverted and slimed the truth and from letting him go on again and again and again. Not because their views deserve such opprobrium, but because our democracy depends on it. Folks, do you understand what is going on here? I know you get it. Get that popcorn. Schumer, the liberals, and the media hack goon jackals are fully invested in the new police state. Follow me. We need to use and abuse police powers to target our political enemies. That's the new, that, that's their desire. That's their goal. That's their deliverable. You understand? They are never going to get there in a country where neighbor views neighbor as a citizen. They need to depersonalize you, the Trump crowd, the conservatives. January 6th was a gift to them. It gave them their first opportunity in decades to point to violence on the conservative side of what they as how they chose to characterize it. They picked these acts of violence, and they did happen, but they picked them as indicative of what they've been telling you for years. Conservatives are Nazis, terrorists, fascists. Look, here's the evidence. They needed to depersonalize you. The only way to depersonalize you, to allow them to take away your civil liberties and turn, turn us into a tyrannical police state, which they're doing right now, is by destroying everything, everything you stand for, and making them look at you like an it, not a person. The insurrection myth is the tool to doing that. More in a minute, but first, budget data rate supply. Thanks, Birch Gold. You know, when I was a police officer, we did crowd control training. One of the things they teach you to do in crowd control is if you can find out someone's name and they're in the middle of a riot, call them by name. It personalizes them again. It makes them, it, it isolates them from the crowd energy and makes them feel like a singular person and reflect on what they're doing. Folks, it works, I promise you. 
You understand what they're doing is the opposite to Democrats? They need to depersonalize you. You're not your liberal neighbor's friend, Tony, anymore. You're the, na- you're the Nazi fascist. The insurrection myth is all they have. They are wedded and married to this fairy tale of the insurrection. And as the evidence emerges that that's not what happened, they are losing their minds. Here's CNN. I mean, obviously, it's CNN, so we take this all with a grain of salt. Uh, Never go full Nazi, by the way. CNN goes full Nazi every day. Here they are with a joke of a historian, Ken Burns. I mean, just a comical uh, embarrassment to humankind. Here's Ken Burns on CNN going full Nazi over the fact that, keep in mind, authentic videos were released that tell the full story. And this is a media outlet claiming, no, we don't want to hear it. You're like Nazis or something. Check this out. That DeSantis and others are doing limit our ability to understand who we are and are not inclusive. They're exclusive. They're they're narrowing the focus of what is and isn't American history. It's terrifying. It feels like a Soviet system or, you know, the way the Nazis would build a Potemkin village. Tucker Carlson's doing the same thing with the footage from uh, 1-6. It's just uh, a, a kind of rewriting of history at the most dangerous level. It's it's a huge threat to our republic. Full Nazis. Joe, they go full Nazi. Okay, I got to break in here. He is rewriting history by releasing the full tapes that actually show what happened instead of selectively editing, showing what narrative they wanted to show. Six, no, I'm sorry, four different TV broadcasts on the January 6th hearings. Full craziness telling us that this was worse than 9-11, worse than the Civil War, the biggest threat to our democracy, worse than Pearl Harbor. But yet, all the tapes have shown is that the Capitol Police officer that died from a stroke several days after January 6th, mind you, though you remember, the one that was laid in state in the Capitol Rotunda and was told to be uh, hit and killed by a protester insurrectionist with a... um, fire extinguisher shot to the head. They show him fully on the Capitol records, on the Capitol tapes, walking around, healthy as a clam, no problems. They show the cap, uh, the QAnon shaman walking around, being led, being helped by Capitol Police, walking by several other Capitol Police officers, as far as I can tell, the QAnon shaman guy, only thing he was armed with was an American flag. I'm sure Capitol Police had weapons. But let's get back to uh, Dan Bongino's take on this. And we have other uh, audio clips as well. This is what they do. Nazis, fascists, this is what they're doing. The historical comparisons are obscene. They're obscene. This is what they do. These people are a joke. It's a clown show. 
I want you to take a look at this. New York Times article yesterday. Jeremy Peters, again, another hapless buffoon like you've never seen. I mean, this guy is an absolute clown. I think he's emailed me a couple times. I'm not sure if it's the same guy. And I've just, you know, I kind of laugh at this guy. But you see what they're doing now? So Fox covers the 2020 election. Fox can't win in this case. Conservatives say you didn't cover this enough, these allegations of fraud. Uh, Liberals and these companies suing them, you covered it too much. It is a news channel. If someone makes allegations of fraud in an election, Democrat or Republican, it's news. Now, actual supposed news outlets on the left, like the New York Times, who claim to be news outlets, object to that whole thing. They just want Fox off the air. So, of course, they write this piece. And look how they do this. This is just this is so Fox right here. I mean, this is just to interject real quick. It was also the New York Times that, as I mentioned a minute ago, that said that the Capitol policeman was killed, but with a shot to the head by an insurrectionist with a fire extinguisher. It was quietly retracted from the New York Times later. Uh, So New York Times about Fox right here. The media jackals are all in on censoring the truth. They talk about selective edits to the video, comparing it to the lawsuit foxes, and they're going right now about their election coverage, right? Selective edits? That is hilarious. So these same idiots at the New York Times, who levied no objection whatsoever when the January 6th committee selectively edited the Josh Hawley video, the crowd video, all of it, when they selectively edited all that, the New York Times couldn't have gave a about any of that. But now all of a sudden they're talking about selective edits on Tucker Carlson's part. You're a joke. You're a clown. Thankfully, it was pointed out in the Washington Times by uh, Kerry Pickett with this piece where she talks about what I always call the flipperoo theory. Whatever the Democrats accuse and the media accuse you of doing, they're doing themselves. So she asked Benny Thompson, the Democrat hack chair of the, uh, of the January 6th committee, She said, hey, you keep making these charges about selectively editing videos, yet it appears from the Josh Hawley video and the Jacob Chansley video that you guys selectively edited. She notes they added sounds of screaming people that Tucker Carlson figured this out. They withheld video of uh, Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. They edited a clip of Josh Hawley, implying he was a coward. And, of course, Benny Thompson said, what? This is the it was other kids approach. That's not true. And, of course, the New York Times has no objection to this at all. Jeremy W. Peters, a total life loser in zero, an embarrassment to his family and neighbors, right? He has no objection to this at all because he's a deep state totalitarian goon loser. They absolutely selectively edited the video, the libs and the media. He doesn't care at all because they're invested in a story, not the story. These people, the New York Times, the Washington Post, they want you targeted. They prefer you in jail. They want you censored. Please stop mistaking this for some friendly fight. They're not interested in that. They're interested in making sure you suffer. I say in my book that I referenced in the beginning of the show, forgive me for bringing it up again, but the chapter in the book about Rumble and Parlor when I talk about the exploding growth of the parallel economy, I don't pull any punches. There's a specific line in there. These people, it's the liberal portion, the totalitarians, they would hurt you if they could. Make no mistake, these people are crazy. 
The objections I made at the beginning of the show, categorically, to political violence, do not apply to the left. They will apologize for Antifa and BLM no matter who they burn down, what business they burn down, or whose ass they kick. And they'd like it more if it's yours. Now, hat tip Kevin McCarthy. He did a good job. He could have caved to the pressure yesterday, and honestly, I was a little nervous. But Speaker McCarthy uh, did not cave. He held his ground. Yesterday, we covered the approved media narrative to try to combat and censor the January 6th videos and tell the truth about what happened. What's the narrative, fellas? You remember? Exposing security methods, which is so ridiculous, even for the dunce jackal liberal media, it's kind of hilarious. So McCarthy brings up an interesting point. Oh, CNN and others, all of a sudden you care about the security stuff? That's interesting because it wasn't it you guys who published the exact relocation center we were all taken to that we can't use anymore? Oh, that's interesting. As Alec Baldwin said when he tried to be a radio host, interesting, interesting. Here, here's McCarthy calling out the media. Good job. Check this out. But why for Mr. Speaker? Mr. Speaker, this portrayal of what happened? Look, each person come up with their own conclusion, but I, what I just wanted to make sure is I had transparency. You believe because I know in CNN, I mean, I had here where you guys actually broke where we were. This was a secret location, Fort McLaren. I don't know if you got concerned by that. I don't even know from a point of view of security if we could ever be taken there again. But when you broke that at CNN, that was a real concern to a lot of people. I had a real concern also when I wanted to make sure transparency. Good for you, for the speaker. And, and shame, shame on these other Republicans on the Senate side who are falling right in with the leftist narrative. Folks, it's okay to not think like an automaton Borg robot and to have two separate thoughts in your head at the same time because they can coexist. I can like Guy and Joe at the same time. It's not zero sum. I don't appreciate Guy's work at the expense of Joe's work. It's not how this works. They do different jobs. Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, and others are apparently incapable of any of this. Mitch McConnell didn't seem the least bit concerned about the selective editing of the Josh Hawley video, the selective editing of the Jacob Chansley video. He didn't appear even at all concerned about the bevy of footage showing that the large portions of the people who were in there were not, in fact, rioting. He didn't seem concerned about that at all. He seemed only concerned with parroting the leftist narrative that this was some massive insurrection. Good for McCarthy. Please, please do not back down. I'm telling you, we are with you. And yeah, you want another reason why he didn't back down? Or why the Republicans, there are some Republicans on the same side as the Democrats on this? At least this is my take, my my opinion, my my hypothesis on the whole situation. It's because regardless of whether... The Republicans are in charge or the Democrats are in charge. They still want us compliant. They still don't want free thinkers. They don't want people out there asking questions, disturbing the official narrative. If we go along with the Republican uh, leadership and say, okay, yeah, okay, you're right, whatever, then we're still under their thumb. We're still listening to the rhetoric. We're still buying the the crap that they're shoveling. And that's just it. There's no other way around it. We were lied to about certain parts of the January 6th insurrection. Now, should they have been in there? No. 
Were they armed? No. Were Was the Capitol uh, policeman killed by insurrectionists? No. Was the QAnon shaman guy uh, going around screaming and, and you know, uh, tearing up the place? No. He was being led around by Capitol policemen, <laughs> opening doors for him, showing him different parts, and everything was hunky-dory. So, hang on. Let's go to the next next clip. A deadly insurrection. Incited a deadly insurrection. The violent, deadly insurrection on the Capitol nine months ago was about white supremacy, in my view. A deadly insurrection. Everything about that phrase is a lie. Very little about January 6th was organized or violent. Surveillance video from inside the Capitol shows mostly peaceful chaos. But the slogan worked. The term deadly carries enormous emotional power, which is why they used it. To prove the insurrection was deadly, propagandists pointed to the death of an officer called Brian Sicknick. The mob killed Officer Brian Sicknick. That's what they said. It was their single most powerful indictment of the January 6th protesters and of Donald Trump and of Republican voters nationally. They repeated that claim for years. They are still repeating it. At first, they told the country that Officer Sicknick was murdered with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the fight. That story came from the New York Times, which is effectively the assignment editor for most of the rest of American media. It was a lie, untrue in any way. But only after that lie had hardened into conventional wisdom did the newspaper bother to retract it. The New York Times has quietly retracted its story about the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. The damage had been done. Brian Sicknick, himself a Trump voter, had been transformed without his consent into a political martyr of the left. His memory was shamelessly exploited by the incoming Biden administration. In February of 2021, Sicknick's body lay in state in the Capitol Rotunda, where a parade of unscrupulous politicians made use of it. Here's Joe Biden. Breaking down the doors, trying to overturn an outcome of election, and killing several police officers in the meantime. But Brian Sicknick should not be reduced to a prop for the political ambitions of the Democratic Party. He was a human being. The facts of his life matter, including how he died. To this day, media accounts describe Sicknick as someone who was, quote, slain on January 6th. The video we reviewed proves that is a lie. Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie that Democrats have told us about January 6th. And it was indeed a lie. The January 6th committee knew perfectly well that Brian Sicknick was walking normally through the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by Trump supporters. And they know that because they saw this tape. We can be sure because the footage contains an electronic bookmark that is still archived in the Capitol's computer system. That means that investigators working for the Democratic Party reviewed this tape. They saw it. But they refused to release the tape to the public. Why? Because this tape would shatter the fraud they were perpetrating on the country. Because hiding the truth served their political interest. They lied about the police officer they claimed to revere. If they were willing to do that, 
then their dishonesty knew no limits. Exactly. 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 Now, again, to echo Dan Bongino, to echo Glenn Shapiro, to echo all the other conservative talk radio podcast hosts and uh, my own personal feelings on it, the violence of any sort should not have happened, period. They claim Trump said, we're going to go in there, we're going to kill them, or, you know, march on, uh, protect your rights, march on the on the Capitol. He never said be violent. He never said go in there. He never said destroy things. He never said kill people. None of that. And those people that did break things, were violent, etc., should be held accountable. However, this is utter fabrication bullshit. They made this shit up. They knew that he was alive and talking and walking, and they let it play out and let it get into the minds and be broadcast nationwide on all the news media that this officer was killed by the insurrectionists. When in actuality, he went home, had a lovely day, I assume, and then died, unfortunately, several days later from other medical health reasons. But it wasn't due to the insurrection. They lied to us because they wanted it to be portrayed the way they have portrayed it since. Now, again, I'm not making excuses for those people that broke in, that did damage, that did what they weren't supposed to do and were in areas they were not supposed to be in. But as you heard from Bongino, they edited the tapes to make it seem like Senator Crawley was the last was was running for the hills and scared for his life. And he was a coward in actuality. No, no, no. They were processing the whole group of senators out to get them to safety. Now, you know, I remember. Of course, I'm old enough to remember 9-11. I remember seeing the fear on everyone's eyes as they evacuated the Capitol. Why? Because they thought it was going to be just another plane was coming in. They had no, uh, they had lost contact. That was the plane that went down in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. But they had thought originally before the passengers intervened in that and took that plane down, that they thought that that plane was coming around for, for a run at the Capitol. Now, what in the hell do you think would have happened if the only person, because, you know, very soon after that, it was uh, Hillary Clinton, you know, that was running for president. What would they have done, said, uh, basically every Democrat, and rightfully so, would have had a conniption fit if they had just showed all the senators standing there in a unified defense, but here goes Hillary trucking ass out of the back door because she's so afraid. If they had made that out to be that she was running for her life and everybody else was all oh, the, the brave souls that they were, we would be hearing that to this very day. They would never have let that go. But yet they make it up. They provide it so it fits their narrative, and everybody just goes along with it. And, you know, it it just drives me insane. Again, 
I do not condone the violence. I do not condone the people that were in there that should not have been in there. But let's show the facts. Let's not build the narrative and selectively edit and change things around to fit what they want to fit. The American people are smart enough and have a right to know and are, you know, we're not brain dead. We can figure it out. There's been a lot of people that didn't buy the the official narrative from day one. And now we're being told by these news outlets and everybody else that, you know, now the video is being manipulated because Tucker's the only one that has access to it. Why wasn't CNN, MSNBC, and all these other news uh, organizations, if it was being manipulated, why didn't they ask for it back on January 7th? They have teams of people that could have gone through it back then. But no, they bought the narrative that the Democratic Party put forth, and they ran with it. And now the chickens are coming home to roost, and they're finding out they were wrong. Joining us first to discuss the implications and fallout from the airing of the January 6th footage is Federalist Senior Editor Molly Hemingway. Hey, Molly. First, we have to start with what the vast majority of Americans generally agree on, those who willfully, knowingly broke laws, particularly those engaged in violence at the Capitol, should face all the appropriate consequences. But what many Americans feel increasingly uneasy about is whether January 6th and those involved in it have been handled fairly by the government and the media. Can you speak to that tension? I think there are two issues in play. One is that shortly before the January 6th protest and riot, you had a months-long siege of American cities that involved unspeakable violence, you know, attacks on the White House, the Mark O. Hatfield Federal Courthouse in Portland, Oregon, the burning of a large police precinct to the ground in Minneapolis, arson and violence in downtowns throughout the country, you had uh, autonomous zones in Seattle where people were murdered and raped, and you had basically no repercussions for this or almost no repercussions, no widespread outcry, even though it was horrific for America to live through that. And then you have the January 6th protest and riot, which got obviously out of control, involved violence, and you had the largest investigation in DOJ history to make sure that anyone who was within you know, any distance of the Capitol could be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And so the context of the national situation is important. And then also just understanding... And just to break in here, just for a brief moment, she mentioned that they used data that, guess where it came from? Cell phone, cell phone pinging towers of anybody in the area, anybody in the area around the Capitol that they went after that might have been an insurrectionist, might have been involved in this. Okay, and I have no problem with, at at this point, law enforcement using whatever tools they have available to find suspects, people that were involved, people that were breaking the law. No problem. But in the flip side of that coin is when 10,000 mules, when Dinesh D'Souza's 10,000 mules came out and they had cell phone data pinging multiple drops at multiple locations for multiple ballot boxes, 
Now, whether it's true or not, I'm not arguing that fact, but everybody claimed that technology is bullshit. There's no way they could have done that. They, they couldn't, you know, but yet our fighter pilots use uh, laser guided uh, smart technology uh, weapons to bomb and kill terrorists and to kill the enemy. Uh, the Capitol Police, the FBI, the CIA, the Secret Service—I'm sure all the, all the different ABC branches were involved—to uh, find those that were guilty of the insurrection and and for whatever violence that, and destruction that was perpetrated there. And again, as mentioned, they they did the crime; they should do their time. If they can use the cell phone data for that, then they can use the cell phone data as Dinesh D'Souza did for 10,000 mules. Just wanted to bring that up, but uh, we'll continue. That, you know, this was a protest attended by hundreds of thousands of people. A small percentage of them even entered the Capitol. Smaller percentage of those entered into the Capitol violently, whereas there's video footage showing some people were just allowed in. And so being told that this is the worst moment in American history, definitely, but maybe even the history of the world just seems like a histrionic reaction to something that people generally agree was not a great day. So now we have Tucker Carlson and the release to Fox News of surveillance footage, over 40,000 hours of it, and the American people seeing things they've never seen before. And some of it just isn't the picture we've been presented with for over two years now. What did we learn this week? So even as someone who's followed this story closely, and I actually covered not just the January 6th protest, but two previous protests in D.C. that were on the same issue, frustration or opposition to how the election was conducted, what we learned this week was interesting. I mean, some of the footage that was shown by Tucker Carlson showed the well-known Buffalo hat-wearing uh, protester who was sentenced to many years in prison was given a tour of sorts of the interior of the Capitol. There were more than half a dozen police officers who could have easily taken him into custody. And not only did they not do that, they were just kind of giving him a tour of the Capitol. That's just at odds with what we're told, that he was leading an insurrection and attempting to do a coup against the government of the United States. There was also the realization that the January 6th committee had manufactured a performance almost where they added audio to video footage to make it seem more nefarious and where they deceptively edited a clip showing Senator Josh Hawley's evacuation from the Capitol to make it look like he was fleeing when in context you see that there was an escort of many senators out of the room they were in into another area and not only was he not the only person he was the very last of the senators to leave that area so not the picture of cowardice that they were showing and then finally I thought the other thing that was interesting was that there's always been this mysterious protester Ray Epps he's on footage telling people they have have to enter into the Capitol. And yet he's always been treated as a great friend of the government, despite telling people to enter into the Capitol and being pictured near the scene of so much violence. He was called a hero by members of the J6 committee. Well, it turns out that there's video evidence where he was not where he claimed to be when he sent some texts to his nephew claiming credit for what happened that day. So any of these things, you might have different ideas about what they mean or what their significance is, but they need to be dealt with. You need to engage with the substance of this footage and explain why you think it's significant or not significant. But most people just responded, most people in the media and a lot of people in politics responded by just being outraged that the American people got to see this footage. 
Yeah, let's talk about that more. We saw Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer actually tell Fox News to silence Tucker Carlson to not allow him to play any more footage. Shouldn't we be shining more of a light on more of the footage? What should we make of this type of reaction? I was so surprised because I watched the footage and I found it interesting. Like I said, I'd been following this, so it wasn't totally surprising. The outrage, the anger from people suggested that merely showing that this event was more complicated and nuanced than the sort of cartoonish description of it put forth by both the J6 committee and their allies in corporate media was really enlightening. And draconian calls for censorship by the Senate Majority Leader, but also chilling was that Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell tried to threaten Fox News, saying they made a mistake because the footage that Tucker Carlson showed was at odds with the official government narrative on that day. And anytime you're told that you're not allowed to say something because it's at odds with what the official government statement on something is, that, you know, as a journalist, that just sort of is uh, unnerving. Yeah. One of the concerns raised by a number of legacy outlets, including CNN, was the idea that Fox News is getting to set the narrative by getting exclusive access to the footage. Is there any merit in this argument that the footage should not have been released to just one outlet? I would love to see the footage released just generally and not just generally to more journalists, but generally to the American people. There's a, something that can happen through crowdsourcing of information that can be of great assistance to legal efforts, to legal defenses. And, you know, we're told that this was the most important day in the history of the country. I don't actually think that at all. But... If it is so important, then Americans should be able to see more about it. Imagine, let's say you think, you know, crazily enough that 9-11 was a more important day than this day. And then the government said you're not allowed to see any video footage of what happened. That would be very weird. And it would make people think that there was something conspiratorial in play. And particularly since the Department of Justice has said that they will not explain precisely how federal agents and informants were involved in the protest. There's already so much secrecy going on. It's just not conducive to a healthy discussion of you know how that day occurred when you're limiting the amount of information that people can get. And that was another thing that was interesting about the footage this week was that it showed there was also the interview with a Capitol Hill policeman who explained just how unprepared Capitol Hill police officers were, how they were not made to be prepared for that day. And then on the day that it happened, they weren't getting clear communications from their supervisors. Again, if you think this is an important day, you should want to know about the security failures from that day. We're now getting allegations from lawyers who represented some of the January 6th defendants, including the QAnon shaman. They say that federal prosecutors did not provide them with all the footage. Meanwhile, the public has been getting an incomplete picture of the riot from the limited footage that was released. How does this all affect the way the January 6th cases were handled? In the years after 9-11, when there had been enemy combatants that had been seized on battlegrounds and they were taken to Guantanamo Bay, you had armies of left-wing attorneys volunteering to defend those people in the American legal system for free. They had projects called the Hamilton Project that was all about making sure these people got the best defense. And these were accused terrorists. And you saw even this week that a Southern Poverty Law Center attorney was arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. And the defense put forth by this radical group, SPLC, which supported the larger protest movement that was fighting a police facility in Atlanta, was that he was doing legal work. And what happened after January 6th is that 
that the narrative that was put forth by the media and other left-wing activists was that these people actually couldn't get that it was not good for them to get good legal defense. And so there were efforts to prevent any big law firms from working on these people's legal defense. Now, there have been some attorneys that have worked on very limited budgets. Frequently, they're working independently to defend these people. This is not like some big law firm type operation to give the best possible defense. And so the government says that they totally gave whatever information that they needed to to these defense attorneys, but it's entirely likely that a better legal effort would have secured much more footage, some of which might have been exonerating. And so it's not just a PR issue that we're dealing with with the release of this additional footage, but also it might be quite helpful to these people legally as well. All right, again, let me break in here on this one because this, the so-called QAnon shamans lawyer claimed and has put it to them that they never received copies of the tapes that Tucker just uh, released showing him being escorted around by Capitol Police, by them opening doors, by him walking past several armed police officers that could have taken him into custody at any time. That is a thing. In If anybody has watched CSI or Law and Order SVU. It's called discovery. They are required by law. It's a federal law that they're supposed to fucking give anything that they find that could be good or bad to the defense and the prosecution. They have to have it. Whatever happened to the fact to 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 the like like this lady said, the terrorists from nine eleven were were <laughs> oh we we have to defend them they have to have their rights they have to have you know they have to be taken care of their civil liberties are being abused and blah 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 but these guys nope we're going to put you in a hole we're not going to let you out until you agree that you're guilty like we say you're guilty and you're going to go to jail period. Even though we know that you didn't do what we everything that we say you did, but we're we're, we're going to make you go to jail. Period. And unfortunately for the QAnon shaman guy, uh, because I've heard uh, an interview with his lawyer, his current lawyer is that the deal, the plea deal that he signed and got four years in jail for, basically gave him no appeals. So he's he he's kind of stuck, in my opinion. And there's only one way out of that that I can see because he doesn't have an, have an appeal other than that, other than, you know, to serve his full time or let off for good behavior. I don't know how it works in the federal uh, indictment and the federal conviction. But he was basically railroaded. You will pour, uh, plead guilty. You know, you, you're going to take this or God knows what will happen. We'll keep you in the hole for another couple of years and, and, until you know such time as we get around to prosecuting you. When they knew they had the tape, when they knew he didn't do half of the shit they said he did, but yet they still railroaded him into a four-year sentence. Molly, thank you for joining us. That was Federalist Senior Editor Molly Hemingway. Here now to discuss more of the legal angle is Ed Martin of the Patriot Freedom Project, who is currently representing three of the January 6th defendants. So, Ed, what kind of legal implications does the release of this footage have? 
Well, there's a number of implications from a legal standpoint for my clients. I represent three of the men that are in prison and for the others. First, many of us were, were told there were 14,000 hours, right? There was, uh, then there was 41,000 hours. Now we hear 44,000 hours. Um, the question becomes in a legal proceeding, the Department of Justice, the prosecutors have an obligation to make available uh, everything that could be exculpatory, right? Could be uh, helping in the defense of a, especially a criminal charge. You know, the, the bar changes when you, you and I are in a contract dispute, you can fight all you want. It's different when they're taking away your liberty, a criminal criminal charge or possibility, right? So the first thing is, what's the universe of video that can be reviewed? Now, I can tell you as someone who's been involved in this, that the scope, the amount of hours is a huge burden for the prosecutors as well as the defense, because it's just a lot, a lot of work to go through this and find out if there's a 47th camera down this hallway and your defendant, your client is going down the hall or someone else is or whatever. So what we saw come out because Tucker Carlson's team went through a lot of it was some things that make you say, wait, that wasn't what the narrative that the prosecutors were pushing in court. You know, for example, the QAnon shaman. And if it was intentional, they made a big, big violation. If it was unintentional, it's opened up a, a question about how the process worked. So remember, that guy pled guilty. He was presented with all the all the charges, and he pled because his, his lawyer, I assume, gave him advice, and, and that was the decision. And that's a different kind of uh, a problem, too. So there's a lot going on, and, and a lot of us are saying more eyes on this set of videos is more important than not, and objections about how it's presented are less important when you're going to lose your freedom. Now, one more observation, which I think is very, very important. If there's a problem with the amount of um, review, hours and hours, you know, hundreds, thousands of hours on the prosecutor's side, which is happening, there's a point where the court should say, for nonviolent offenders, you should be having this process go slow from your home. And the reason these guys are being held in jail a lot of times is the judges are saying, hey, this was an armed insurrection. You know, even though you have no violent record, no criminal record, you might have served in the military, honorably discharged, etc. We're going to hold you in jail for 30 months because we think you could be what, a threat? There's something very peculiar and very disturbing about being held. You know, again, you would have been sent home and you would have been on house arrest. You would have been on requirement to report. So there's a lot happening that's that's a lot of the lawyers and, and defendants are looking at saying, where do we go now? Can we potentially see the overturning or retrying of some of these cases as a result of this? Well, I think it's certainly possible. I mean, I, again, what's possible is when evidence comes to light that is uh, problematic and may uh, reveal a problem. The courts generally have the ability and the interest in looking back at it, you know, and saying what happened here. There's something that a judge could issue a show cause order to the prosecutors and say, show me why what has now been portrayed in public, it, it happened like that. And there might be a good answer, right? They might say, no, no, here's the file. We gave them all this stuff to look at, you know. But I think there's a reason to believe that there's going to be some lawyers and some defense lawyers saying, hey, let's take a look at this. And yes, the, the possible. By the way, another possibility is that Congress could take away from 
from the district court in D.C. the jurisdiction for this. They could say, you don't have jurisdiction. That's completely possible. Our Constitution says that Congress sets the jurisdiction. Because one of the objections I have had and, and concerns is that when Nancy Pelosi and the Select Committee went through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of TV and radio, uh, earned media, I call it, you know, to put out their version of what they wanted people to believe, the jury pool in Washington, D.C. is really, really stacked against these men and women, uh, especially men, who are from Kansas, in case of my client, one of them, uh, Idaho. And that's another thing someone could say is we've got to get these cases out of D.C. to a place where you can more likely be able to talk to a jury of your peers. So there's a lot that can happen, yeah. Well, a very complex series of cases involving one of the most politically charged moments in recent U.S. history, so lots to unpack here. Ed, thanks for joining us. That was Ed Martin of the Patriot Freedom Project, and this has been a Sunday edition of Morning Wire. Okay, I have another question. There are supposedly thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of security camera footage. Why? The last time I looked, last time I checked, there were only 24 hours in a day. Now, whether you believe that President Trump told people to go march in, break in, or whatever, there is a distinct timeline. The morning of January 6th, no one was breaking into the Capitol. The day after, January 7th, the vote certification for President Biden, or as I like to call him, Supreme Leader Biden, was concluded. So how come we're talking about thousands of hours of footage? I, I claim ignorance on this. Maybe somebody can explain this to me, because to me, this makes no sense. I understand you have, you know, multiple cameras and all that on uh in the Capitol. So, okay. But even if you have, you know, a uh, hundred cameras in the Capitol times an eight hour day, that's only 800 hours of, of, because you would have to physically go through camera one, camera two, camera three, camera four, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you mean, and, and I'm not, and I, I don't know, I don't know the security of the Capitol, so I can't speak to this, but is there a thousand different cameras in the Capitol building and each one of them has to go through an eight hour process? I mean, is is that what we're looking at for for eight thousand plus hours of of, of of watching it? Because I mean, again, I would assume that the insurrectionists did not go in every possible entrance to the Capitol as well. So I'm assuming that some of this footage could be narrowed down, slash deleted, slash discarded. Because it wouldn't uh, represent anything. 
you know, if you have a an underground, and again, I'm hypothesizing at, in, at, at, on this one, but if you have an underground parking structure, say, underneath the Capitol, I mean, it's obvious. If you have an underground struck, underground parking garage and the, the senators and con- congressional uh, congressmen and women are coming up through the underground parking garage and taking the elevator up to their different respective offices and so on and so forth, Obviously, no one from the insurrection got into the Capitol that way. They know which entrances they got into. That was filmed from the outside, from the various news groups that were in, in, in cell phone data that they were able to, to pick up. So, again, you can narrow it down. So I don't know where all the, everybody keeps saying, oh, thousands and thousands of hours of, of footage is. And, again, like I said, I, I claim ignorance on that part. I'm only speculating, uh, you know. But again, I would also assume that uh, most security systems, and, and obviously the Capitol is got to be more advanced than, say, you know, someone's home ring camera, obviously. But you know, there's got to be a way to to narrow it down. To say, okay, we don't need camera forty-five through fifty because they're in the back of the uh, of the thing, or they, you know, the, or they, those are the cameras in the bathrooms, or the cameras in the, in areas of the Capitol that weren't even, uh, you know, gone into by either by insurrectionists or congressional members. So there's got to be a way to narrow it down. So I don't understand why. The prosecution could not have gotten uh, through these things. There's a lot of the people that were on the January 6th committee now is coming out, too, that they didn't even look at all of the tapes, which, again, is mind-blowing because how can you sit there and, 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 and just arbitrarily throw the book at someone when you haven't seen all of the evidence? I mean, I thought in this country we still had a right to be guilt uh, to be innocent until proven guilty. Again, the lady mentioned the fact that uh, these people were not being uh, allowed to to do this from home and report in because they were, uh, you know, led to believe the judges were led to believe that they were armed. It was an armed insurgency. Where's the gun? Where's the guns? There were no weapons. There were no armed insurgents, at least that so far that we've been made publicly aware of. The only one that had that had guns were the Capitol Police. The only people that actually died on uh, January sixth was uh, the the lady Babbitt by the by the uh, Capitol policeman. The rest of them either committed suicide, had health conditions, etc., and died after. In some cases, weeks after January 6th. So where's the proof of the of the armed insurgency? Now, I'm not saying there was no insurgency, but where's the proof of the armed? That hasn't been disclosed so far as I know. and hasn't been proven by the administration, by the January 6th committee. 
the judges were told this. The judges didn't uh, release these individuals on their own recognizance to, to, to stay in a hotel in, in D.C. or, or go home and, and go through and while all this, uh, the videotape was going through. No, it was, it was deliberately in some cases manipulated to make their case. And yeah, you might call me a right wing nut conspiracy theorist, but okay, that's a, uh, title that I will take gladly. Because there may be some honest reasons why they did what they did, why they edited the videos that they edited the way they edited them, edited them. But that hasn't been disclosed by them either yet. See, there's no there's no honest transparency and no honesty in it. It's just this was an armed insurrection. These are the bad guys. This is the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the United States. It's worse than 9-11. It's worse than Pearl Harbor. It's worse than the Civil War. And I actually heard something earlier today where, of course, you know, you got to realize if you're asking someone in their 20s, which is worse, 9-11 or the insurrection, they don't have anything for comparison. If you ask someone my age in their 50s, which is worse, the insurrection or uh, especially knowing what we know now or 9-11 or even Pearl Harbor. I wasn't around during Pearl Harbor, but I've seen enough reports, read enough uh, uh, factual historical records and books on Pearl Harbor to know that that was indeed far worse than the damn insurrection. Again, especially knowing what we know now. And again, was it a good thing? No. Was it uh, something that should have happened? Definitely not. Uh, should those that, that were uh, destructive and broke the law be held accountable? Of course. But there's still a lot more out there. There's still a lot more truth that needs to be released. And they don't want it to come out because it takes apart the narrative brick by brick, stone by stone. And uh, drives the wedge even farther. But anyway, if you think I'm nuts, get back with me, uh, MrRants50 at gmail.com or my blog, myrrqq.wordpress.com. And I'll be talking to you on the next one.